Freebooters Network. Hi, this is Devin Truck with the Freebooters Network. Today we bring you another issue of Hero Man and Sidekick Boy. We hope you enjoy the show. And it's rigging a book and I'll be there. All that I can find. Superman or Green Lantern ain't got another me. Hello and welcome to issue 30 of Hero Man and Sidekick Boy. My name is Ian Clark. And I'm joined, as always, by Dr. Isolation himself, Mr. Andrew Howard. Andy, how are you tonight? Oh, very well. Uh, recording from my sanctum sanctorum, uh, <laughs> safe uh, safe and isolated, um, going on, what is this, March 57th uh, at this point? <laughs> yes, yes, it is. We are, yep, yep, yeah. it is officially the 13th week of April. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, no, I always remember that Simpsons episode uh, where they have the misprinted calendars and they have Smarch. That's <laughs> <laughs> so what I feel like we've been trapped in for a very long time now is Smarch. Yeah. Not Groundhog Day, Smarch. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm doing well, sir, and how about you? I'm good, I'm good. We are obviously still in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic, but uh, Andy and I are, are both doing well and our families are doing well. We had a conversation before we started recording, so... We are doing well, and, and we hope that you guys out there in listener land are doing well and uh, making your way through this and hopefully reading some comic books to pass the time. That's uh, and, and we'll get into that because there's not many new comic books coming out, but we'll talk about that. We, we had a couple of things to talk about, however, uh, before we get into the main segments of the show. And Andy brought up something that I had not heard about, so why don't you dive into that, Andy? Right, so for those of you that don't, by physical comics um most physical comics get to your local comic book store via kind of a a, a third-party intermediary a distributor it's not a time portal from like a like from reed Richards. no no it's not it's not me and ian running around uh trying to trying to deliver them so um so <laughs> diamond has been the distributor um since i want to say the well, they've been a distributor for a long time, but they've been the sole distributor for 20 years almost now, I think, or maybe more. It was like 97 or something like that. Yeah, that sounds about right. So Diamond, um, with kind of Marvel and DC, had decided that they wouldn't be distributing during COVID-19 for a variety of reasons, one of which was to ensure that kind of brick and mortar were not being disadvantaged by digital releases because Marvel and DC could obviously continue to put out comics pretty easily. But what was interesting is this week I read an article through the Nerdist that DC is announced that it's going to be selling directly to comic shops via two new distributors. So it's interesting that, you know, coming out of this kind of, covid quarantine you're going to have new distributors out there um and it, it's it's really interesting because this gets into the whole history of comic distribution and how you know diamond at the time saved the industry because you know co otherwise comic book companies weren't getting the comics out there but then have been a monopoly for so long that a lot of people were looking for another solution i think this will be an interesting thing to happen you know, with this program. So it's, again, we'll, we'll see what, what happens and whether you see other kind of comic companies like Marvel or Valiant or um, Image, you know, 
jumping on to these other distributors as well but it'll it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens as we start to move out of this uh, covid quarantine and i've heard from comic book shop owners that, that i think as as a lot of these types of things do has its pros and cons i know that there's a lot of great things about how it works but i also you know have been kind of privy to some conversations where they talk about the monopoly itself being a bit of a, a hurdle restrictive in you know certain numbers they have to order in uh for certain books and things like that so so hopefully what will come out of this is you know something that's beneficial for everybody and works well for the for the comic companies works well for the new distributors you know ultimately that's like you said uh, about brick and mortar and all and digital and then you've got obviously big companies like uh and, and big booksellers like you know barnes and noble or books a million or whatever that that sell comics as well so we obviously want those small comic book stores to survive. So hopefully this is a, a good situation for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then to kind of dovetail onto that, um, I know we slightly mentioned, you know, not a lot of new comics coming out because, you know, the comic companies are trying to do the right thing by those um, kind of brick and mortar stores. But, there is a ton of digital content out there. So Marvel is doing Marvel Unlimited free until May 4th. Um, one that you may be interested in, uh, Ian, Valiant is doing, it's a, a huge, it's, I didn't realize it's 400 page collection of Judge Dredd, uh, including some of the, like the early Judge Dread stuff is included in that one. You just have to go to their kind of website and you know download it directly from them. But yeah, so it's let's see, it's download 2000 AD, 400 page collection includes Judge Dread stories as Mega Rackets, Judge Dead Dread, sorry Judge Death Lives, Diary of a Mad Citizen. So and it's the old school kind of artwork of uh judge dread so i might check that out uh at some point as well but i just uh, i came across that when i was trying to find that article again about uh the distributors yeah that would be cool that's definitely worth checking out thank you for the heads up on that excellent uh i was going to mention briefly something that i saw buddy of mine byron uh linked to a story asserting that uh, there are rumors that Chadwick Boseman, who plays uh, T'Challa, the Black Panther, in uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, might not be interested in sticking around and continuing to play the character beyond the next Avengers movie or Black Panther 2, and that maybe Marvel would be handling, uh, excuse me, handing the Black Panther mantle to his sister Shuri. So, um that hasn't been confirmed or denied by Marvel, but kind of an interesting uh, potential there for, for what they might do going forward. Obviously we have Robert Downey Jr. Transitioning out and a lot of the the first wave of the Marvel stars are moving on, but now kind of interesting to see Bozeman who hasn't really played Black Panther a ton. You know, he's got a handful of, um, you know, Avengers and, and uh, he was in civil war and, and obviously his own movie, but, not you know it's not like it's been a long time for him so it would be interesting to me if he's moving on of course we don't know when these movies are are going to be made now at this point because of, of what's going on right now so but um yeah i don't know kind of an interesting thing if they do 
quickly move past that. And I think Shuri's a great character, and that that could definitely lead to some cool storytelling. But that just kind of caught me off guard a little bit that he might be leaving so soon. Yeah, no, I um, I was actually reading um, through Comicsology Unlimited uh, the New Avengers, the the Illuminati one where it's the worlds collide, um, and she's basically running Wakanda while you know um, T'Challa is you know off doing the Illuminati stuff, and yeah, so it's she's always been a great character she's a pretty big role um in the newer run uh black panther as well so i could totally see them doing that i wonder you know how how they would do that because i I also wonder what the future of avengers movies are in general um you know is it i know over time the avengers have transitioned but if you drop all of them all at you know if you drop thor iron man captain america hulk out all at once you know are you gonna bring in who are you gonna bring in although it would be cool to bring in like wolverine like you know and ant-man and wasp so there's i think you have a lot of potential in there um for the avengers uh to be pretty cool but i also worry about replacing too many of what people think of as some of the classic avengers yeah it's a tough line for marvel to walk because they've built you know, such a such a, a universe, a legitimate universe that people, uh, even non-comic book fans, really flock to and make a ton of money. And a lot of people watch these movies. So, but at what point do you hit that saturation point where people have either seen too much or they say, ah, oh, these new characters I'm not as invested in. You know, I'm, I'm not necessarily going to, you know, turn out at the theater. I'll catch it when it comes out on video or whatever. So, yeah, it will be interesting to see what Marvel's next step is because... Obviously, they've shown that they know how to take characters that not the general public is not that familiar with and turn them into huge, you know, movie um, uh, franchises, and and they've done a great job with that. But yeah, it's it is interesting, and um, I I hope we get some more cool characters that we haven't seen yet. I uh, continue to hear things about Moon Knight getting whether it's his own series or something. TV show. Yeah, but I haven't heard anything about that. In no, a there while. was um. There was something recently about it, like, or maybe it was like people speculating who who would be, like, what characters would you feature from Moon Knight? Yeah, thought I saw something recently about it. I I worry about that anyhow, like how how well they're gonna do in doing a Moon Knight TV show. I don't. Yeah, I worry <laughs> about that. Yeah, it's not. I don't think it's an easy one to adapt. It's not. It's not. But uh, but it it could it could be done if it was done right. Boy, it could be really good. So yeah. I don't know. We'll we'll see. But um, I have more. I have more hope in She Hulk. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the other thing too is you know during the the shutdown of everything, does this affect TV and movie projects? Will this kill some projects because of the delay? And I, I think that's inevitable. I think that's probably going to Oh, yeah. Happen. Yeah, I definitely think it will. Yeah, so that's, that's too bad. But, all right, well, that's kind of the, the news aspect of the uh, of the show to start. We, we'll probably have an abbreviated poll list, but uh, we'll move on just the same. Currently, humanity looks to the Internet for its information. We have stood at the edge of despair 
and would have fallen. If not for awesome podcasts and their content of everything we love. Now these podcasts are all brought together in one place. Forged in like-mindedness, tempered with a community-oriented forum, covering all things geek, such as wargaming, board gaming, comics, movies, and more. Presenting a lineup of podcasts producing exclusive content for the fans. The Freebooters Network. Trolls want to steal our community. Let them try. All right, welcome into the poll list where we discuss our current reading. And Andy, who is always uh, a voracious reader and consumer of brand new materials, uh, that seems to have dried up under current circumstances. Yeah. In terms of new media, yes. Um, I've been, and I've, part of it too is that I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Comixology Unlimited. And I, I go through, you know, every month and find new stuff um, to read. Um, But it's not always easy, um, you know, with to compete with kind of some of the new stuff out there but i did manage um you know over the last month to find some some titles in there that i hadn't read yet Uh, and like i mentioned too there are a lot of um a lot of publishers are putting out kind of first volumes of some good stuff to try to get you to to come in and and kind of get a taste for it um so that's been that's definitely been helpful as well any um anything you want to highlight anything yeah so i never read any of the atomic robo stuff so local guy yep yep but i had never for whatever reason i had never read it so comiXology has atomic robo and the fighting science sorry scientists of Tesladyne. i don't know that that's the it so it's a volume it's volume one. I don't know that it's the kind of the beginning, but it has some of the origin story. It has some of his early fighting and stuff. It's re- I thought it was really good. It's um, it's like a pulpy robot, you know, type thing. So I, I like I like the stories that are in there. You know, there's evil Nazi scientists. There's, you know, you know, the U.S. government kind of being big government and then you just have a, a robot guy who you know just wants to be taken you know as a person and is out there kicking ass um so I, I had fun with it have you ever read any of that stuff i have um uh, because uh as i mentioned so it's brian clevenger is the writer scott wagner is the artist uh i believe it's wagner that is from new hampshire and so back when i was on the uh at the newspaper and i had a pop culture column i would try and you know, put in comic books and cool stuff like that. So I actually interviewed him at the time, and and they sent me some, uh, I think it was probably that first uh, limited series to read beforehand. And I really dug it. I thought it was super fun. It has almost a Hellboy vibe to it. And, uh, yeah, I thought it was super cool. It's It's been out since um, 2007, 
and I would highly recommend it because it's it, it's it's kind of fun. It's kind of pulpy, like you said, and it um, yeah, it's just a, it's just a fun read and a, it'd be a great diversion for what we're going through now. Yeah, it's it's good. I really liked it actually. That is so. I'm just looking real quick. So that is the first. So Atomic Robo and the Fighting Scientists of Tesladyne is. It looks like that's the first storyline. Um, but yeah, that one's it is. It's so much fun. Like you said, yeah, there's a walking pyramid. There's <laughs> zombie brain robots. There's science. There's uh, supernatural. Um, so it's it's fun. Um, and it does. It does have a very much uh, uh, Hellboy kind of feel. But I, I like it better because he's he's not rough around the edges. He just knows he can't be destroyed. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. I like that. Oh, good. I'm glad you glad you figured uh, found that one. Yep. I also came across something by Alan Moore that I had never read before. So I've read a lot of Alan Moore, um, but this was something that I don't know why I hadn't. Um, have you ever heard of Top Ten? Oh yeah. Yep. I, Man, uh, that's fun. I think I have the first volume. Yeah. So that is it is very has a very Astro City feel to it. Yep. Um, it is very tongue in cheek in terms of like, like poking fun at other like well-known super, you know, you know, comic book characters and stuff and not always a very veiled way. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I love it, but it's this idea that there's a, a city that is on the, you know, that it, <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it, but it's it's basically alternative Earths can, have converged. You have a city that is filled with like superheroes, superhero wannabes, sidekicks, sidekick wannabes, and this is the story of the, kind of the big precinct, the police headquarters in this crazy city. So it's it's a lot of detective stories, but it they all have like a a superhero bent to them. It also reminded me of the boys a little bit um, in the sense that like the boys to me is always like there's always a detective like there's always like a, a mystery element to the boys like they're trying to figure something out. But yeah, top 10 men. I, I can't highly recommend that enough. That is it's super. Fu- that was super fun. Yeah, I, I don't remember a ton about it. I did. I definitely have the first uh, volume. I was actually peeking on my shelf here, but I, I read it so long ago that I don't remember a lot of the details, but I do. I like pretty much any Alan Moore that I've read. So, uh, I did really enjoy that one when I read it. I'm, I might have to revisit that because, um, yeah, you're sparking some, some memories of what it was, but again, I don't, I don't remember too deeply on it, but, um, yes. Yeah, so that's, um, volumes one through 12, or sorry, issues one through 12 are, you know, is available on comiXology. So that's an easy one to kind of jump onto. Yeah. Yeah. Comixology unlimited right now. I've been, I've been digging in, pretty hard with some stuff but um yeah what else uh, anything else? Um, so here's one that i've seen recommended i'm not sure where i am with this i cannot tell if it it's one of those ones where because i'm a guy i can't always tell if they're doing things in a way to empower women or this is actually sexist and because I'm a guy, I'm not picking up on it the right way, but have you ever heard of the rat Queens? 
Uh, no, I have not heard of that. All right, you'll you'll like it. So it's a very it's set in almost like a, D, a Dungeons and Dragons world where there's this city that basically has different adventuring parties that live there and they're very like typical. So there's one that's like all guys, there's you know, there's the thief, the fighter, but there's one group called the Rat Queens and it's all women. There's like a dark elf in there. There's a, um, a, so she's like the wizard. There's like a, another spell caster. Oh, I guess she's like a sorcerer. And the wizard's like someone who whose family was in a death cult, but she escaped. Um, there's a little like halfling thief, but there uh, there's a a dwarven fighter but she shaves her beard against like you know going against class society but it's very like they're not afraid of their kind of their sexuality they're not afraid to kind of you know take charge but they're also probably the most destructive of all the adventuring parties so like (laughs) even their solutions usually cause problems uh for the city itself but it's it was fun, and Volume One is on Comicsology. But again, I always get nervous when artists draw, you know, women in a prov- uh, provocative way, even though you think they're trying to empower them. I'm I'm not always sure. So it's one of those things where like I liked it, and it seems like they're all supposed to be strong female characters, but I can't tell if that's just me thinking that because i'm a guy because it's written by a guy it's drawn by a guy so i always get nervous when those two things align and it's all about strong female characters so yeah well and it's funny too because a lot of it's perspective too because even like i I remember when the movie sucker punch came out and you had you had women women saying both sides of the spectrum but women saying this movie is incredibly sexist and it sexualizes and fetishizes these the these women in this movie and then you had women saying no these women kick ass and this is like a, a feminist movie because these are strong women like in in these you know crazy um you know fighting and and gunplay and all that type of stuff that was in sucker punch so so even even the intention sometimes whatever the intention is it's there's going to be people that see it as the opposite anyway so it is tricky yeah so here's the description so um hannah the rockabilly elven mage violet the hipster dwarven fighter d the atheist human cleric betty the hippie smidgen thief um this modern spin on an old school genre is a violent monster killing epic that's like Buffy meets Tank Girl in a Lord of the Rings world on crack. And it is. And it's like it's it's super fun. It's very tongue in cheek in terms of the adventuring. Like at the very beginning, there's a meeting where all like the adventurer parties get their mission from the you know, the head of the town watch and they all have to go out and do things. And it's like, almost like, an MMO. <laughs> right, right. Where did these missions come from? Like, and it's like, people are like, are kind of questioning it, but not really questioning it. So that part of it really appealed to me. But again, it's one of those things where I'm like, oh. yeah. So, but yeah, well, I think it's worth, it's worth a read. Um, but yeah, I'll, unlimited. yeah, it's on unlimited. All right. So I'll, I'll definitely grab that one. Right, I'll probably try to go back and kind of see, like, yeah, 
Right. So, yeah. So here it is. So nominated for an Eisner in 2014. Really? That's awesome. Um, 2015, um, it basically, it won the GLAD um, Media Award for Outstanding Comic Trick comic book for its portrayal of lgbt characters um so but again it's one of those things where uh, you know i still i think it's doing a great job but i don't always see see the wrong in things (laughs) but it's awesome it's so it was really fun in fact like like i said i might end up buying some more issues yeah, I'll, um, this is this sounds like a must read for me, so I'll, I'll definitely pick it up. And I've been I've been browsing more and more of Comicsology, uh, not to jump the gun, but your recommendation, um, what we read and read the uh, read this this month, um, had me kind of wanting to dig in more because I really enjoyed it. Spoilers, but um, <laughs> um, all right, cool. Anything else on the pull? I got one last one. Okay. Uh, the October, the October faction, so. They're making that into a TV show, so I wanted to go back and and take a look at it. It's an IDW. Steve Niles is the writer. Um, basically, it's um, it's it, the story of two kids who find out their parents are like retired monster hunters. Um, it's a little dark. It's fun though. Um, I don't know what they're gonna do with the with the TV show per se. Um, but you know it's it's got a kind of an umbrella academy feel to it uh, a little bit of um kind of lemony snicket like a darker lemony snicket um type of thing you know so it was fun but it um it'll be i don't i think the tv show is already out but i don't know i don't know how that'll translate but it was a it was a fun read again it's a comicsology unlimited so it's hard not to kind of jump into something like that cool all right uh mine will be pretty brief uh i do have a little bit of a story to tell as i usually do on the pull list because i'm always all over the board uh i haven't read anything new i did as i mentioned last time i picked it on my my pull list which was huge at the at the local game store and comic store uh, and I've been making my way through Star Wars and Conan and stuff like that, and that that's good. But I'm, uh, you know, I know I'm going to run out of the new stuff here pretty soon. But I had kind of an interesting thing happen where one of our neighbors, this was uh, two weekends ago, posted on Facebook and said, "Hey, I have a big box of comic books here that were my brother's. Um, uh, her, her brother had passed away, and she said my kids don't want them. They're going to go in the garbage if somebody doesn't claim them." So I'm like, uh, yeah, like, and she literally lives at the end of my street. So I'm like, like here's the deal. And then somebody else was like, oh, my husband would, would take them too. And I, I said, okay, here's the deal, because she said she said it had like some GI Joe in it, and it was all like 80s comics. And I said, here's the deal. I said, I I'll come grab them. Anything that's valuable, I'm either gonna give back to you, or I, or I can sell it on eBay for you, whatever. I don't I don't want to like take you know come and take some amazing books and things like that i just want to but if there's stuff that i need or i'm interested in uh, i'll take it anything else i'll pass on to this other person whose husband wanted it too so um she's like cool all right i'll put them out on the porch and uh let me tell you it's bizarre to go to your neighbor's house put on a mask and remove something from their porch that (laughs) that that does not feel natural to me but um so it's two short boxes full of comics and uh take them home and 
there's a ton of awesome stuff in here. All in, none of it's in, like, like it's not in bad shape, but they've just been in bags. They're not boarded or anything. So nothing's, you know, they're all going to be in, they're, they're in pretty good shape, but they're not mint for sure. The, the cool thing is the G.I. Joe run, there's a bunch of stuff I already have, special missions and things like that. But the G.I. Joe run picks up right around where my collection left off, which is somewhere in the like 80s or 90s issue wise, and goes into like the 120s. Oh, so wow. It's a huge chunk that not only do I not own, I've never read. So, so that was awesome. There's a ton of stuff I passed on because I already had it. There was like the first like 10 issues of the original Suicide Squad. Um, a bunch of, like I said, special missions, a whole bunch of GI combat, which I'm not super into. Uh, so I ended up passing on a ton of it. The stuff I kept, I kept the GI Joe. There was a bunch of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles stuff, the old Eastman and Laird stuff, no low number issues. Again, nothing, they're all in like the forties or whatever. So I don't, I don't think they're worth anything. I haven't looked into it yet. Um, and a couple of master of Kung Fu, Shang-Chi. So I, I hung onto those, but one thing that was in there that was super cool to me was a limited series that I had never run. It's an eight, read. It's an eight-issue series from I think '87 is when it started. Uh, I was. It, it's um. It's New Mutants, and it's called Fallen Angels. And as a kid, I wasn't a huge X-Men guy. I loved Wolverine, uh, as everybody does. And so I'd once in a while I'd pick up a, an X-Men comic, if there was nothing else that I was interested in, and it had Wolverine on the cover. I didn't know a ton about the New Mutants. Um, I will say, I don't want to get off on too much of a tangent here, but it's well known that I read, when I would get my G.I. Joe comics, and I've talked about this before, I would read it immediately, turn back to the front cover, read it again, and then in that month before the next comic came out, I would probably read an issue of G.I. Joe four or five times. Because of that, I just, by osmosis, absorbed every single advertisement and (laughs) all that stuff. And I just remember this really striking full-page ad for fallen angels when it came out and it has sunspot standing like it looks like enraged over a fallen comrade from the new mutants and i just remember as a you know not even as a kid because 87 i would have been like 13 14 years old um but just thinking oh this looks really cool but i didn't pick it up so when i saw that he had the full run in this box i was like this i this is awesome i'm gonna finally get a chance to read this so um i've read the first three yeah i think the first three uh, it's not a bad story. It's uh, it's written by Joe Duffy, who I like a lot. Um, the penciler was someone I should have written it down because I'd never heard of him before. It's fine. It looks like traditional 80s Marvel art. Like you would, right. you, you would not know this guy from any of the rest of the stable. And that's not a bad thing. I love that artwork. Um, it's I will say it's a little overwritten uh, as far as like I think I think and I love Joe Duffy. Like I said, I think this was early writing work for her, if I'm not mistaken. And you can kind of see that she's kind of testing the waters a little bit um, because there's I think she's trying a little too hard in some regards, uh, trying to make it overly flowery or, or like prosaic. But overall, I'm actually really digging the story and it's got some characters in it. that you know, you just don't see much anymore. The Vanisher is in there and you've got, um, you know, obviously Warlock and Wolfsbane and uh, Multiple Man. There's uh, Siren. There's there's all these kind of you know, third tier mutants that you don't see much of, or maybe you do. I don't know. Cause I don't read the. Oh, thing. it's got that weird. Oh, I never remember his name. The, the guy that looks like he's all made up of machine parts. That's, um, Warlock. That's Warlock. Yeah. Warlock. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, so I don't know. I'm kind of digging it and it, and it kind of sent me on a, like an eighties 
teen team vibe, which you'll hear more about when I tell you what the next read this is. But um, but I don't know. It's kind of fun to kind of it felt like a little even though it's not like a highly acclaimed series or anything like that. It felt like a little bit of a treasure inside this box because that was it just really sparked something because I remembered seeing that covered issue one as a full page ad and thinking, man, this looks really cool. And so now I'm actually finally able to read it. So I, I was actually really thankful for that and uh, ended up passing on a ton of the other books. And I actually, I felt bad keeping books. Like I only kept out of the two boxes. I only kept maybe a quarter of the comics that were in there, but I felt bad about it. So this, I ended up talking to the wife of this, the guy that was um, interested in the books. And I was like, Hey, I, I, her, she's actually her son and, and my son, Kale are good friends and they play online a lot. And, and I know they played D and D, so I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I, I gave him a bunch of extra comics, um, newer stuff, and I also gave him uh, Storm King's Thunder, that module for D and D, because we already played it. So, um, cool. So, so he ended up making out okay. I didn't feel as guilty taking all the comic books, but um, right, 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 right. But that was kind of cool, and I, and I'm gonna dig into those those Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles ones, and probably I'll probably pick up with GI Joe toward the end of where I stopped reading, and and keep going with that because um, it was fun to see that those are in there as well. So that's what I wanted to talk about. And I actually, I thought I would have fallen angels for read this, but uh, it's, it's not free on comiXology and I would have felt bad making anybody pay for it. So. <laughs> yeah. I don't, uh, a lot of times I'll jump on board some of that stuff. Ian, that one's not one that, that jumps out at me. Yeah. And it's not, like I said, it's not a groundbreaking story. It's not anything that's amazing, but I'm, I'm having fun with it. And it's, uh, it kind of fills a, a strange, like, hole in my reading collection that i didn't really know existed but i it was strictly on that you know that single page ad that ran for a few months but so it was kind of fun fun. yeah so that's about it for me that's all i wanted to talk about for uh for that but yeah like i said it's this is a good time to kind of jump back through you know older stuff uh take a look at you know you know things that you may not have read um there is a ton out there right now uh it's a good time to kind of go back and and look at some of that older stuff. Yeah, for sure. All right, cool. We will close up the poll list. Lord Aku, the samurai has escaped our clutches once again. You have failed me again, my daughter. If the foolish samurai has once again escaped, then you shall be banished. Dad, you need to chill out. It's time to go on a Geek Nation tour. A what? A Geek Nation tour, where they have tours of Middle-earth, Feudal Japan, and even a Star Trek tour. No! We must capture the... Wait, did you say Star Trek tour? Yep. To geeknationtours.com! It is entitled, Naturan de Manto, roughly translated, Book of the Dead. The book is bound in human flesh and inked in human blood. All right, welcome into Read This, where we discuss something, whether it's a, a story arc or a one-shot or some sort of graphic novel, some sort of something that we would like you to read along with us. And Andy chose last month's, which was Uncanny X-Force, and I've already forgotten what the subtitle was. Apocalypse uh, Solution. Yeah, so four-issue series, although the, the issues were fairly long. It wasn't, it wasn't like a short four-issue. No, no uh, it's 100 pages. Yeah, I had not read it, uh, didn't know a ton about Phantom X, who we talked about last episode, but um, went into this one not really knowing much about it. Uh, so why don't you kick it off, and then I'll, I've already kind of spoiled it already that I really enjoyed this, but but yeah, why don't you, uh, why don't you kick this one off? So, so what's interesting is um, 
I've seen newer versions of kind of the uncanny or X Force, and you've seen it kind of hinted at in Deadpool too a little bit uh, as well. But it, this is basically the group that when when Xavier or the mutants need to get something done and you're not afraid to kind of get your hands dirty, this is the this is the group you call in. Um, so Deadpool, Wolverine, uh, Psylocke, Archangel, and and Phantom X. Uh, but it's this one in particular. So it's uh, Rick uh, Remender as uh, is, uh, is the writer for the I think for all four, yeah. And then there's some a couple of different artists um, um, that bounce between this issue, um, the issues that make up this volume. It's it's a really it's a really good introduction to this group as well. If you've never read it, they they do enough kind of backstory to keep you interested. They start off right in the middle of the story um and then they kind of bring you back to how they got to the point that they're at um i i loved it i like the art style i thought the writing and storyline was good these are some really fun mutants it is always fun when deadpool and wolverine are in the same room and then you add phantom x in there and it it adds like another element. You've got a romance between Psylocke and Archangel. I thought it was a great, a great kind of introduction to um, kind of a, a comic group that I, I know that all the characters that are in it, but I had never really read much from X-Force before. Yeah, it was, it was totally new to me. Obviously I know the characters with the exception of Phantom X, who I, I wasn't familiar with uh, until last month when we, when we spotlighted him. But uh and characters I like, obviously, I'm, I'm a huge Wolverine fan, always have been. I I like Deadpool, but I, I feel like he's kind of become overused, so he's not someone that I seek out, but I, I thought he was used very well in this. Psylocke's a great character. Um, you know, Angel kind of fighting off the um, the dark seeds of what Apocalypse has done to his mind when he turned him into Archangel. That makes for compelling reading. And Phantom X was interesting. Um I do have some thoughts on that. We'll we'll get to in a minute, but uh, overall, the um, yeah, go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say. So obviously, it's a story that involves apocalypse. You know, Archangel having been one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. But what was so neat about this this issue is you have the four like the some of the four original. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry, I thought you were talking about the new ones, but yeah, yeah. No, the like the some of the original, you know. Uh, horsemen. So you have this kind of character who is like a, a minotaur from ancient ancient Greece who's a uh, war, and then you have Famine who is a you know rebel drummer from uh, the Civil War, and then a, a geisha who is pestilence. Um, just so much fun. Yeah, the uh, new, I, I think he called them the final horsemen, and you see apocalypse kind of going through time and collecting them yeah yeah they're awesome they are really really cool bad guys and uh the story the story doesn't waste them like they're used in really cool ways oh yeah they do a great job with it um and then 
Phantom X's one of his abilities is like a, a whole thing of misdirection, which was so much fun in this. Like, because you would think that they had lost, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's going in a different direction. Um, also, like you said, Wolverine plays his parts awesomely. Um, Archangel's down. They're isolated on the moon. Uh, so what does you know Wade Wilson do to help him recover? He pulls pop rocks and soda out of his pocket, um, starts feeding them both at the same time, which is just hilarious because that's you know that's what killed Mikey. You know, was pop rocks and soda. And then at a later point, he literally cuts off a piece of his own leg and feeds it to him as well. Like so, and like you said, it's done. That's done in that's only a couple panels. They don't spend a lot of time goofing on that. So you don't, you don't worry about it. Um, but it's in each one of them gets to kind of use their powers in a cool, unique way to keep the story going. Yeah. It, it's funny because I, I went back and forth about Phantom X, his misdirection uh, powers that you talk about and kind of illusion type things that he's able to use. I think that's the saving grace for him, for me, in this because it is it does kind of give him his own purpose because there were some parts where I'm like I don't I don't get why he's here he's he's almost got a little bit of Deadpool in him with the way that he talks sometimes he, he even looks a little like Deadpool costume wise and because of the art style in it it uses a very limited color palette which I love I think the art in this is phenomenal uh, but um, I think that kind of made him look a little bit um, a little bit like Deadpool as well. So there, there were parts early on, especially where I was like, I'm not really digging why this guy is included. It feels like they could have pulled somebody else that would have been, I don't know, better. But then by the end, I think, I think I felt better about it because his, the, the illusionary powers I think were so important. And of course his, his jump ship and things like that. But uh, yeah, overall I thought it was a great story. I, I won't give away the ending, but it, you know, you, the the ending, you really don't know what's going to happen. It's, it's going to go one of two ways, and you really can't tell how it's going to go. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, the color palette in this thing is amazing. It, a lot like, of, like, deep blues and reds. and Yeah, and they're using it in a, like, so the whole X-Force group is very muted. You know, they're, you know, except for their eyes. Their eyes are always, like, either bright or red, um... And so I think what it does is it makes like the action seem to pop. So I found I found the page that they're like Wolverine's got his claws out. He's chopping people up, but then Pestilence like six bugs on him. And like it just looks so much better because you can focus in on like the detail on, you know, the action. And it's not to, like their costumes aren't you know, taking away from any of that. So yeah, yeah, I, I really liked it. I actually read, I think the next two volumes in this as well, uh, just to keep going. They're good. They're not, I don't think they're as good as this first story though. Mm. Yeah. I was wondering what, cause I didn't know if this was part of an ongoing, if this was just a, a limited series, I didn't really know what it was, but, um, cause you're right. So it's, it yeah, it, it is. It's, I think it's, it's, it ends up being like four, I think, the well, uncanny yeah. x-men is yeah one two i think it's like because the next one the next one i like but it's way more confusing it's uh deathlock nation oh. uh, and it's it does one of those things where 
it tries to explain some of it, but the story they're telling is so deep in the kind of the Weapon X universe that it gets it gets a little confusing. Like, and they also retcon things like because I didn't think Deathlock was part of Weapon X, but apparently, like he really he wasn't in the beginning. That's for sure. No, but they've kind of like that retcons him into it a little bit. Like so, but yeah, it's. The first one is definitely, definitely worth it. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. I was very happy that this was the one that you, uh, you picked. And I, there, there have been a ton that you've picked that I, that I haven't really liked. But this one, uh, for going into it, not really knowing much about it, I knew obviously it had Apocalypse in it, and I knew for the most part the, the, you know, the main good guys. But uh, you know, story-wise, I didn't know what was going on leading in, and and you don't have to. You can jump right in and and just read this and really enjoy it so i hope that if you if the listeners didn't that they they do now because um if you like if you like superheroes if you like the x-men and mutants this is, it's just a really good story uh and i i think andy and i both agree the the art's fantastic i really like this style and uh you know it's not it's not a big time investment either it's because it's not even though they're a little bit extended issues it's, it is still only four issues so i would highly yeah. recommend it yeah, it's an easy one to get into. Yeah. All right, cool. Anything else we want to say about uh, Uncanny X-Force? No, just, uh, again, it's... I think they do a great job with the character development, um, especially with Psylocke and Archangel, um, and then a little bit of Phantom X. Uh, and then, you know, I think everybody knows who Wolverine and Deadpool are, so they're a little less front and center. What they do well is front and center, so I thought... I thought it was a good balance um, amongst the characters. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think they did a nice job of that. Awesome. Well, uh, because uh, we just read a cool team book and then I'm reading an 80s team book, uh, I thought once I saw this on Comixology Unlimited, which I didn't know was on there, maybe is new to it, but I this is, a, this is something that's new, Teen Titans, The Judas Contract. Now, this is arguably one of the best-known uh, storylines in the DC universe, and it's one that I've never read. It's, um, you know, it's from the 80s. It's an awesome, awesome team. Uh, I love I love Wolfman's writing. I think he's incredibly underrated. Uh, George Perez obviously has a huge um, uh, career, uh, done some amazing things, you know, with Avengers and, and a whole bunch of uh, Marvel stuff, but, but um, and uh, DC as well, so... Uh, I, I thought this would be fun. It's not a long one. I think it's maybe six, seven issues total, and it's on Comicsology Unlimited right now. So I figured we'd take the chance because it's one of those that I know is a, a legendary storyline and has a ton of um, important DC history in it. And it's got Deathstroke in it, who's awesome. A lot of the the Teen Titans are characters that I like. I believe this is the transition from Robin to Nightwing for Dick Grayson. So. Uh, I'm I'm excited to read this, so I was happy to see that it's on Comicsology Unlimited. So, uh, and you, correct me if I'm wrong, Andy, you haven't read this, right? No, I didn't really read a whole lot of Teen Titans. Well, hopefully, hopefully you enjoy it. Hopefully I enjoy it. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm but it's borrowing one, like, it now. Yeah, it's one like I said that I've I've always known about, and I kind of know the main thrust of the story, but um, sort of similar to. Uh, Death in the Family, the Batman one where, where Jason Todd is killed by the Joker that we read a while back. 
it's one that I kind of know the history of, but I've never actually read. So I thought it'd be a, a good opportunity to actually kind of fill in that hole in my uh, DC library. So that'll be for next month's Read This. Uh, New cool. Teen Titans, The Judas Contract. And please don't make the super suit green or animated. All right. Finally, we have the somebodies and it was my turn to pick this month. And I must be on this 80s kick because and again, I talked about the ads <laughs> in comic books, always making an impression on me. And this is a character and a comic that I would see advertised all, all the time. It looked maybe a little too goofy for me to pick up, but I but I have always wondered about it. So I, I picked uh, for this time on the somebody's Drew the Wanderer. Uh, by Sergio Aragones, and uh, sort of a sort of a comic tongue in cheek take on uh, Conan and and fantasy tropes, created by Sergio Aragones, who also drew it. Uh, Mark Vanier uh, was the co-plotter and editor. Stan Sakai, uh, who's um, uh, done a ton of stuff in the comic book in- industry, most uh, probably well known for uh, Yusagi Yojimbo, uh, the oh, okay. samurai, yeah, the samurai rabbit. That's kind of his. Uh, his claim to fame. He uh, he did the lettering. Yeah, this is one that always I would always see the, the ads for it in the comics, and I thought I would maybe like this, but I never I never took the uh, took the initiative to actually pick one up. So, uh, do you know much about Gru the Wanderer? No, I had. So what's really funny is it looks uh, like the art style looks a little bit like uh, Asterix. You're, oh, is, what am is I it? saying? Hold on. A-S-T-E-R-I-X-I-S. Asterix and Obelisk. Just Google it real quick. So A-S-T-E-R-I-X. So when I was a kid, so this is a, this is a French comic book. So it's about like the Gauls in France um, and the Romans. So he's kind of like a barbarian. Um, oh. Yeah, so it's the adventures of a French... Um, Gaulish warrior fighting the Roman Empire during the era of Julius Caesar, but it's it's a kids comic. It's it's written in the late, or sorry, early 60s, early to mid 60s. Um, it's definitely French. It has like an anti kind of British theme because it's you know they're they're going up against the Romans who, you know, even though it's Italy, they're you can kind of tell it's where they're going with it, but it's it's a fun and actually uh i'm pretty sure that um who was it somebody from i think the the guy who created it or one of the somebody related to it just passed away but um yeah so that's a whole nother tangent there but when i was a kid i came across like a graphic novel uh, that collected a whole bunch of these. Um, and I read it and I read it a million times and like some of it's in French, so I don't really understand <laughs> it, but like it's drawn in a way that you can tell what's going on. Yeah. It, it feels almost like American counterculture type stuff. Yes. Yes. It, yeah, it does. It does. And then when I was looking, so when you sent over, grew uh the wanderer when i saw that front cover it kind of had that crumb feel to it as well like for sure it so i was like oh okay this is this is kind of interesting like um so yeah that's where yeah 
Yeah, so Gru, uh, it was actually one of the first uh, successful creator-owned comic books. And apparently, according to Wikipedia, uh, Sergio Aragones had been trying to sell the book for for quite a while uh, in the 70s, but didn't want to give up his uh, creative rights to it. So uh, was finally able to to break through and, and keep his own name on it. Literally, it's Sergio Aragones, Grew the Wanderer, is, is what appears on most of the uh, covers. But uh, Pacific Comics, Eclipse Comics, uh, Marvel under the Epic imprint, which was very big for them in the 80s. And that's why I saw the ad all the time was when Marvel had it. Uh, but even Image and Dark Horse in more recent years have had Grew the Wanderer. So, yeah, just a, a, a cartoony style. And it's got... Um, <laughs> I think that the ad for it perfectly encapsulates what it's about. And and the ad that I was would always see in the Marvel comics was a picture of Gru with his – he's got his sword poised, and there's a fly on the end of his bulbous nose. And you can, you can tell what he's thinking, <laughs> what he's about to do. And I think that kind of probably pretty well encapsulates the, the tone of the book. Um, so it, it, I don't know. It always looked – cool to me and i'm i'm betting i'll have to check comiXology and see if i'm looking right now are you yeah because it, it's it's got me it's got me interested and in, in wondering if maybe there's a trade or or even if the some of the issues are cheap on on ebay or something i might pick some up just to see because obviously i love fantasy and sword and sorcery and if it's got a if it's got a little tongue-in-cheek um you know maybe poking fun at the uh, at the genre itself i i'd probably be be very into that and of course i love conan and i'm sure he's riffing on conan a bunch as, as well yeah, I'm trying to see. So there's some of the Dark Horse stuff on Comixology for sale. Through the Wanderer 138 Pacific. Yeah, I think it's hard. I think it might be hard to get some of the early stuff. Um, that, that makes sense. That was, yeah, as you mentioned, Pacific uh, was the first publisher in December of 82. Um, but I, I bet the Marvel stuff is probably... I didn't see the Marvel stuff, but the um, Dark Horse stuff popped up. It actually it ran for 120 issues with Marvel from 85 to 95. That's impressive. Yeah. I didn't realize it went that long. Wow, that is crazy. Maybe I, I got to look under his name. You can't just do Gru the Wanderer. Oh, Sergio Aragones, yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know. There's, uh, once in a while, like a lot of times, we'll pick someone that either one of us knows a little bit about or maybe is a um, you know a, a third tier character that we'd like to highlight because we think they're cool but once in a while at least with me I like to pick ones where I don't even know anything about him <laughs> he did stomps too what is that I don't know what that one is it's a Star Wars thing yeah so stomps uh, stomps Star Wars it's it's like another it's like a tongue-in-cheek if Marvel published this too, a humorous glance into the making of Star Wars comic, what happens when a super fan gets his opportunity to create a Star Wars story all his own. Um, so it's 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 like a third wall type of thing where you're a comic artist trying to make a a comic about Star Wars, like, oh, um, okay. and it has that crumb feel again to it. I've seen that before. Um, he does the art for it. Uh, Sergio um, does the art for it, uh, and I've seen I've seen some of that before. I think. Cool. Okay. So yeah, I mean a little bit different. Like I was saying, a little bit different. Somebody's this time because it's not one that either one of us are familiar with. But now I I, I want to check out uh, more 
of Gru the Wanderer. So if, if he's somebody, listeners, if he's somebody that you're familiar with and you want to point us in the direction of, of some particular storylines or anything like that that you think are, are, are particularly fun, we'd love to hear from you on that because uh, he, he just looks like a fun character. And I like the I like the art style and um, I'm sure it's a it's a fun riff on like Conan and, and fantasy stuff as well. Yeah, it looks like it. I'm trying to like I'm trying to see what they have for series and collected editions here. But is it so mightier than the sword. Yeah, most of the stuff coming up is Dark Horse. Oh yeah, but you hit Ian for a buck fifty on Comicsology, you get Mightier Than the Sword, which is 114 pages. Oh, okay, so that's probably a good. <laughs> a good intro if, if for that much if i uh, if i can't figure out if i like him or not then uh then it's right, not right. money to, <laughs> to toss but that's so i can't find the marvel stuff um most of what keeps coming up is the um the dark horse stuff hmm. that's one maybe i'll have to i mean when when we get back to actually having comic book shows again maybe maybe that's one i'll, I'll maybe dig around in the uh the cheapo bins for a little bit and see if i can't pull some because you know there's got to be from that Marvel run. You know there's got to be a bunch of those in the in the discount bins. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I didn't realize it was that long either. So yeah, that was crazy to me. I I was very surprised to see that. But, uh, but <laughs> I guess that that speaks to the to the you know strength of it because I mean they're publishing it for that long. Somebody's reading it. So I'm gonna try to see what I can find. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So all right. Well, we're all gonna check out some Guru the Wanderer together. And that pretty much takes us to the end of this issue. We don't have anything in the mailbag from uh, Facebook uh, followers, so uh, quiet on that front this time around. But um, but I think I think we've I think we've ended up with a pretty full episode anyway. We didn't know if we were going to be able to fill uh, the usual hour that we and we we just kind of end up around that time anyway. That's just kind of how the format works. But um, you know, with yeah. it being light on new comics, we thought we might be a little light tonight. But it looks like we're we're right around that hour mark anyway. So. So, uh, so that's good. And, you know, it's a little bit maybe easier for us to keep on our monthly schedule now that Andy's not on the road <laughs> because he's not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. No. So. no. <laughs> it's funny. My, You're uh, traveling more than I am, Ian. Yeah, because I'm still going into the office. But uh, yeah. it's funny. I did, I did the Ego podcast yesterday, as I mentioned. And, um, you know, I told uh, uh, Amy tonight, she asked if I had anything going on. And I said, oh, I'm, I'm doing a podcast. And she was like, did you just do a podcast? I said, yeah, in the pandemic, I've decided I'm going to do a, a podcast every night. So I have 31 podcasts now. So nice, nice. yeah, but, one for um, every, yeah, one for every p- potential. Yeah, um, and I actually I have added a fourth one, uh, which we haven't announced yet, but that'll be coming out soon. But that one, that one, yeah, <laughs> that one not as much work, hopefully. But anyway, that, I mean, where where am I going? I'm I'm. I'm getting online. I'm I'm talking to you guys for podcasts. I'm playing D and D and stuff like that. On Friday night, I had an awesome time. A uh, one of my friends from college that I went to to school. All the the journalism program where I went at Tennessee Tech University. We were super close, and uh, we've had uh, reunions uh, since then. But obviously, with everything going on, that's not happening this year. But uh, one of our friends organized a, a Zoom meeting, and she sent us all bingo cards. And uh, so for Friday, Friday night for like five hours with a lot of goofing off and and talking and telling stories and stuff. But we played we played bingo and it was it was super fun. I, uh, I, I won. I got a prize. Nice. Um, yeah. So we, we, we had a ton of fun. So in, in some ways, everything that's going on right now 
is there's a lot of positives that are coming out of it and people are making an effort to to get together online and and do things like that and i'm gonna run another D game you know here a, a one shot next month and so i i think if you know if if you can take the positives out of this i think that's really important for everybody and i know i know a lot of people are struggling because they're out of work and and things like that so um anything that we can do anything you know comic books if, if you can find the time to read or any of those things that you can do to to take positives out of what's going on i think is important so that's kind of what i've been trying to do and you know enjoy my time with my family and and all that so yeah like i said if you can you know um a lot of you know uh, comic book publishers out there are doing stuff to try to allow you to get some digital stuff but making the digital stuff free so they're not competing with brick and mortar um you know it's usually not the latest runs but it's a it's a fun easy way to to kind of fill some time um you know looking back on some of the classics ian ian really went back uh um and and pulled out some classics there so i've been trying to do the same a little bit as well uh i just didn't fall as far back (laughs) yeah well and I don't know how classic Fallen Angels is, but <laughs> but but I think we're gonna dig a Judas contract. I hope we do. Yeah, no, I uh, I'll re- I'll probably start reading that uh, later tonight. Actually, um, already already hit the borrow button. Uh, <laughs> getting ready to kind of you know have that in the ready to read. Like I said, it's it's been tough. I I do miss my new stuff. Um, there were some great storylines going, so um, we'll see what happens. Yeah, for sure. But in the meantime, there's there's tons of old stuff that you can check out, and uh, yeah, yeah, lots of good stuff out there. So uh, I think we're I think we're ready to wrap up. Andy, thank you again. As always, I had fun. I always have fun. Oh, I do too. I definitely do too. Awesome. Well, thank you, listeners, as always, and uh, check us out on Facebook. Ask some questions for the mailbag. Shoot us emails, things like that. We we, we do love to hear from uh, from you. We got a um. We, we've had some. Uh, some private messages sent back and forth that, that I've enjoyed interacting with as well. So any way that you want to get in touch with us, we really do appreciate it. And we, we like hearing from you and uh, we love doing the show and, and talking to you about comic books. Cause I, I mean, it's pretty obvious Andy and I love books, the comic books. <laughs> we're, we're not just doing this for something to do. We, we, we love these books and we want you guys to check out cool things that we like. And we like to hear what you guys like as well. So uh, definitely do give us a shout out if you can. Um, other than that, I hope everybody's staying safe and making it through this and, and we'll be able to get back to, to doing hopefully uh, you know our normal routines uh, very soon and get back to, to comic book shows and comic book shops and all that type of stuff. So uh, yeah. yeah. So thank you again, Andy. Thank you, sir. All right. Thank you again, listeners. And we will be back in one month with another issue. Until then, it's a four-color world. We're just living in it. This has been Hero Man and Sidekick Boy, a part of the Freebooters Network. Please check out our Facebook page and head to the Freebooters Forum to engage with us about the current episodes or about things you'd like to hear us talk about. And please check out our sponsor, Geek Nation Tours. Thanks so much for listening.